Hey guys, welcome to another thrilling episode of the Board Game Triangle. I'm here, I'm Sarah, one of your hosts. I'm here with my co-host, say hey Tim. Bring in the thunder, Board Game Thunder. Okay, sorry to your earbud people. Um, And say hey Ken. Hey guys, this is Ken. Alright, so now you know what our voices sound like, so (laughs) we'll jump into our intro for the the episode. Um, I don't know. What what have you guys been up to since our last since our last recording? I've been watching a lot of BattleBots. So that's why BattleBots? BattleBots. Do you know what BattleBots is? Yeah. Okay, who cool. Who does who doesn't know what BattleBots is? <laughs> I mean, you would be surprised. But yeah, apparently like they are doing new episodes and they have like all the seasons on HBO. So I've been watching. I, I just kind of have them going on in the background when I just have like random things that I'm kind of uh, touching up on on code and stuff like that but um, I, I did yeah. see like a tiktok of one like getting flipped over really dramatically oh that happens a lot so i there's I mean many, it was many like a, it like sure. flew it like flew across the thing oh there's some that so these so i'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here but these robots so there's rules about how heavy they can be and mm-hmm. usually people get obviously as close as they can to the max weight because then they can have like heavier weapons things like that and some of and there's like different robot styles so you have like spinner robots which they'll have like usually like a big heavy spinning disc in front of them or and they'll either spin it vertically or they'll spin it horizontally there's different uh there's different good and bad you know things you know with respect to that and then there's some that actually just they have wedges and they try and flip robots which is probably what you saw sarah and some of them can throw those robots that weigh 250 pounds like 10 15 20 feet in the air it's really a cool spectacle to see and that's one way that you can win is you actually launch them out of the arena so that is one of the strategies but it has been so long since i've seen anything bad about related i was not aware they're still like actively doing episodes or it's been it's been a long time Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i I mean i may have to go catch up with battle bots (laughs) you you really need to especially since if you sometimes they'll show like snapshots of battle bots of like a long mm-hmm. time ago because it's been going on for like 15 20 years i think oh yeah uh, no I, I definitely saw some of the early ones and like i said i as, remembered as it from when i was a models, kid yeah uh we'll pretend that i'm young enough that i was a kid when that started yeah i mean teenager <laughs> I, should, I, I should say teenager but um yeah i it's really cool because they'll show like old robots and they're just so like the new ones are so much more sophisticated than the old ones. You know, you'll watch them just kind of like smack into each other when they are like the old ones. And now the new ones are like mm-hmm. the matches oftentimes last 10 to 15 seconds because the weapons are so violent. They'll just fucking explode like the other one within mm. a very short amount of time. And I was actually really, wondering really if that ever happened. Like if the episode oh, was just yeah. like all filler because the battle itself was just 10 seconds. They're pretty good about it not being super filler. Uh, they, they're very quick about turnaround time between them. Obviously, yep. they, there's some filler with that. They always announce each robot and they kind of give like a little backstory of like the history of them. But for the most part, they're pretty good about, you know, about the pacing. I'd say it's a lot faster paced than like a football game or something like that. So, (laughs) not throwing shade right before the Super Bowl. Oh, damn straight, I am. 
football games have a lot of downtime. I mean, they you know mm. they literally literally call them downs. You know, like it, 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 someone gets tackled and then you have to sit and let there be reset. Apparently, I mean, everyone has like, to assess their life after they get tackled. Yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, it's, get like, it. It's, it's like it's like it's like a board game with a very long uh, <laughs> maintenance stage between every turn. Here's so you're there, okay. <laughs> yeah. Now we need to move this. We need to put these guys over here, and these guys all need to line up again. And then these guys need to be on this side of the line. These guys are on that side of the line, and. And I mean, then they have you know, timeouts on top of that in case there wasn't enough timeout. There's timeouts for, you know, to figure out how to best timeout. So, yeah. And, I mean, that's honestly why I, you know, I've long felt that if I ever really spent the effort to get into football, I probably could actually enjoy it because, you know, it's very, very, very large amount of tactical assessment about every single thing that's happened. And, I mean, that's why you need all that time to reset and figure out what you're going to do next. It's not, you know, but um, in, order, in order to get into that, I have to really start, you know, understanding uh, – decades of history and math and uh determining you know based on uh, everything that's known about this other opposing team uh what what exactly would you do here it's you know very 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 deeply analytical yeah it's it's board games but with humans as the pieces yeah you just send people to scout the other team's games and like figure out what their signals are and cheat that's what you do ken you don't you don't have to learn all the things (laughs) No, really. Maybe that's what that you like would do, Sarah. Thing. All right, but us strategic <laughs> masterminds, we would be we would be planning. All right, you see how you see how Ken is with his board games. Okay, he's going to be planning matches for decades. I hear that football teams, you know, hire you know mathematicians to sit there and help them calculate out stuff and study game tape and all. That. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, this is all stuff that you know, like people want. Oh, it's athleticism and you know. Excitement on the field and emotions, like yeah, whatever. Uh, g- give me, give me the cold hard numbers, you know. I mean, that has been a recent uh, evolution, and it's really fascinating to see how much uh, statistics has really taken over. You know, the professional sports. Uh, I don't know genre. What, whatever. What do you? Whatever you call it. So now we're a sports podcast. Yeah. Well, before <laughs> that, we we were contemplating being a movie podcast. So. Um, because we were talking about Michael Keaton and no, no, no. Uh, how- the question was, when you <laughs> think of Michael Keaton, who is the character that comes to mind? Fortunately, we decided not to ask that question because that would make this a movie podcast, not a board game <laughs> podcast. So, dear listener, you you are you are saved from having to hear that question because we decided whoa, not whoa, to. Whoa, 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 whoa! We <laughs> offer a smorgasbord <laughs> of topics here. Okay, wait, wait, wait! I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a mystery for everybody that's listening. Okay, so <laughs> the answers to this question: there were two Batman's and a Beetlejuice. <laughs> who do you think was the Beetlejuice? <laughs> Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. Okay. So I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna leave that open. Um, Ken, what have you been up to? Uh yeah, so uh, I I actually uh last couple weeks I've been uh, been really busy because I've I started doing some uh some hot yoga, which I hadn't done before. Been doing a lot of uh a lot of dance stuff, so uh uh you know, bachata and salsa and, and getting getting lessons, hitting some socials, uh setting up here to do uh, uh do some uh Private lessons and things to uh, further improve my, uh, my my game there. Uh, that on top of uh, board game uh, activities that I did with uh, with Tim and uh, other things coming up that I'll be doing. So um, you know, we Tim and I uh, uh, and, and Tim's wife played uh, Revive. What was that Sunday at this point? Yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Believe, yeah. So uh, you know, we we that that was a lot of fun. A lot of. A lot, a, lot, a lot of cool motivations here of trying to uh, repopulate the world after 5,000 5, years after an apocalypse. So we definitely it, determined that the, uh, the people who made it into the, uh, 
the, the uh, human time capsule were likely uh, only the most deserving, therefore uh, probably mm -hmm. uh, uh, billionaires and children of billionaires. Um, mm -hmm. Well, you see, know, that's, uh, that's you know. how they kept the radiation out is with all their money, <laughs> they were able to, to basically pad out the entrance uh, and block out the radiation so they got to live forever. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, money saves so. lives. It's just facts. So that wasn't actually part of the background materials for the game. No, we were mad that there was like no background. We're just like, okay, what? So what's the story? Like, why are we here? It was. I think it was only because we just came off of a previously fairly story-driven like narrative of like, well, how did we get here? And there was actually some backstory to tell us how we got there. But this, it was just like, eh, it's five thousand years later. Everything's cold and ruined. Yep. Figure it out. It's like, you, oh. Lead, lead your tribe, explore the frozen earth, harvest its resources. And it's like, oh, okay, but like, you know, what killed the world? Yeah, Who why are, are we? we here? You know, did we, did we all have a big fight in our, uh, in our time capsule, which is why we're all now separate tribes heading off in different directions? Like, you know, did, mm -hmm. uh, is there a tribe that stayed in the, in the, in the thing? Is kicking us all out? I mean, like, what's, what's going on here? Wait, this sounds like the, there's a, a Netflix movie called Love and Monsters, and it's basically that, like, civilization there were like these crazy monster things that came and everybody went into these underground bunkers and separated into tribes and this the, the main character ends up you've already like, going described more story than than was given to us in the board game okay so. that just we'll just consider this the board game's <laughs> companion movie okay all right i'm down nice I'm down. nice yeah it was it a was... pretty cute movie really helps those of you listening who are like oh should i play revive i mean it's beautiful it has a cool inlay uh, it has really good game mechanics, but if, if what you're really looking for in a board game is a really compelling story that makes you really feel things, not not really what Revive is, is about, I don't think. Well, and it's funny because do you know how much I ever care about that normally? I think it was just because of the theme <laughs> of the game. It felt like surely it, it just made me curious as to like, okay, well, what happened? Whereas other ones, the theme is pretty pasted on or it's pretty easy to figure out like what's going on. Like, uh... I'm trying to think of uh, some simple examples. Oh, why is it? Oh, Champions of Midgard, for example. You're just like, yeah, yeah we're Vikings and we're going to go kill monsters. How, how or why there's monsters there? Of course, we have there. to take there's... care of a troll. Yeah, and we have to take care of a troll. And you're just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, there's no backstory. You just do it. And it just makes sense. Or it, like, it makes enough sense that you don't give a shit. But it, for some right. reason, with this game, I was just like, there needs to be more oomph behind like why we're here. And, and it, like that little bit of flavor would actually go a long way i think in that game mm -hmm. yep. so again, very 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 pretty uh definitely had some fun mechanics some fun yeah, puzzles the mechanics of that game are a lot of fun i i bought that after playing it with my uh playing with my dad once and i just love uh everything just feels really elegant and well put together in terms of just like all the mechanics seem to work together really well and mm -hmm. it doesn't overstay its welcome it's actually a fairly short game like once we got rolling so and it gives you a lot of a uh, lot of good decisions to make, so I highly recommend it. It's now back in print, which is why I got a copy of it. But originally, it was very hard to get a get a hold of. So hmm. feel free to check it out, guys. It's called Revive. And I had yep. massive FOMO because y'all sent me pictures of the little pieces fitting into slots on the game. It's got board. nice boards. Nice, nice, nice uh, boards. Yep. Looked we, cool. We, we are we are not kind to people who can't make a board game uh, event. <laughs> we will we will definitely. Make you feel bad. Yeah, we'll for send you a message. A... Imagine being you, <laughs> missing this. How Scumbag. Oh wait, sad. you don't have to imagine. You're living it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Savage. Yeah, you know. 
Just uh, just living the dream here, missing out on the game <laughs> nights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, yeah, I haven't actually been doing a ton of stuff board game wise recently. I mean, we've we've still been playing through Gloomhaven, uh, Jaws of the Lion. So a couple more scenarios of that down. Um, oh, Morgan did for Valentine's Day get me a really cool, like kind of asymmetrical board game stand i don't know it's like a bookcase but for board games and then i liked it it on uh instagram yeah i'll I'll make that the the companion post to this episode (laughs) if only we had a a a channel of things that where we could share photos with our viewers our listeners or whatever they are you know yep but you'll have to check out the instagram Mm. for that but yeah no and i liked it so much that i then bought him a matching one for the other corner of our little board game space for Ooh. his Valentine's Day present. Sarah, <laughs> so. I'm so I'm so proud of you and the and the evolution <laughs> of this. I mean, I'm gonna have to do an updated. Well, I guess this post will be kind of an updated what my uh, my stash of board games looks like because it's de- definitely grown a ton since our oh, first yeah, episode. Oh yeah, definitely. And you, what you're gonna have to do is because of the nature of those shelves, you're just gonna have to put one in every corner of your house. <laughs> they're just gonna be they're just gonna be everywhere. <laughs> No, that's oh, um, actually, that's a great segue into our warm up question, which is the new thing that I started doing last episode, but I really liked it. So, our warm up episode, right, warm up question today is going to be if you had to choose, would you rather play one game and one game only for the rest of your life or only be able to play each game that you play once? You can never replay Ouch. a game. Weird. I that, think you, I think the second part actually just describes most board gamers. You know, with the giant collections that they have. So that's I mean, true. That's, I that's feel mean. like other other than Spirit Island, that's that's games at Tim's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm desperately trying for that to not be the case, but uh, I mean, I am I am I have hit the pinnacle of maximum allowed shelf space now i'm not allowed to expand it any further once that third tier tippy top tier is filled out that's it that's all i'm allowed to have so i feel like i've heard you say that before and no no yeah, no, then no. He bought more shelves <laughs> then see, he what? bought more shelves yeah then i bought more shelves <laughs> i wasn't allowed to buy I, see i was not allowed to expand out horizontally only vertically and now I'm not allowed to expand out vertically anymore either. So this is it. This is the the final, the final, final, you know, underscore version two d- hashtag don't delete PDF. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> the, the question delete. for the question for someone with a big bookshelf of books is always, oh, have you read all of these? The question for a board gamer is not have you played all of these, but have, how many of these have you played more than once? How many of them have you removed from the shrink wrap? <laughs> I mean... Most, I, I only have a, a few games I haven't played at least once, but if you ask me, how many of the game, things have you played twice, three times? Three mm-hmm. times you start getting to a smaller number. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, realistically, for sure. Uh, it's, I saw, it's challenging. I keep getting fed these like Instagram ads for this product that's like a little sticker that's a flag that you put on the box, and then it's got a dry <laughs> erase thing so you can mark how many times you've played through it. I was like, that seems kind of masochistic because probably you're you're gonna have like ones on that's kind of kinda, that's kind of a fun idea though. Like, I mean, they kind of do the same thing. If you have your board games on Board Game Geek, you can you can like fill in. Oh, we did a playthrough of it. But well, so one fun thing that some of my friends have done is to uh, write down the winner and their score in the inside of the box for every time they play the game. So then you can see that's cool too. How many times the game was played, and also 
you know, is it always is it always the owner of the game who wins it, and what is their normal finishing score? So that's one of the questions I always have on starting playing it for the first time is what are winning scores in this game normally like? So I can understand mm-hmm. kind of how important are points and how many points do I need to be planning for to be doing it, and if I can sit there and look at the last ten playthroughs and see how many points people were earning, mm-hmm. you know, it gives me a better feel for how competitive I am as I as I proceed through the game. But, Ooh, you know. See, this is something that board game geeks should actually do. They should have it to where there's like you can rate a game, and then also mm-hmm. people can do their playthroughs. But they need to have it to where like you can input the score you got if there's like a VP based game, and mm-hmm. then they could have like the average you know VPs. Like I yeah. think that'd be kind of that'd be kind of interesting. Although so you, now you, you can log your plays, and you and when you log your plays, you can indicate you know you indicate the number of players and the scores and who oh, won. Oh, you can do that. that. So, okay. Oh yeah, no, it definitely has it. I just don't know like. I don't think any of that necessarily gets uh, uh, accumulated per game to be able to show you. But yeah, you can log, you know, how long the game was. Mm. Um, so all that information is is loggable on Board Game Geek. Uh, that is nothing, cool. I've, nothing thrills a board gamer like extra accounting on the back end. I mean, like it's all about the data, baby. <laughs> like, don't you want to know whether, like, you know, you you get a score in Railroad Inc. and you're just like, okay, how good was that? You know, because. You you could all as a group of people like all of us as a group of friends play it together and we all just collectively suck and we all just right. think we're doing good and then you go online and everyone's like oh yeah I usually score an average of like one twenty and you're like why would I want to how's know it that? even possible <laughs> why, why would I want to compare myself to other people <laughs> so that you can know how how important valuable a person you are in the world Sarah no no, no, no. this is this is this is my <laughs> issue with any online game is that there are going to be like a pocket of really, really intense people who are going to play this game to the nth degree. Like Neopets. Oh, yeah. There oh, are yeah. people that play Neopets to like the oh, professional level. Neopets. And I didn't even... Like, if you can get that into Neopets, I can't even imagine an actual game that's like competitive. Dude, I remember Neopets. I was obsessed with that shit when I was a kid. Yeah, apparently it's like still a thing. I'm surprised. Still very much a thing. I heard a podcast about it recently. But you okay, know what okay. we did? We beat around the bush. We didn't answer your question. I was going to say, yeah, circle back. To actually answer the question, um, for me, it would definitely be only play at games once because I, I am a person who reads rules for games I've never played and probably never will. I love seeing different mechanics, being able to think about different mechanics. Even if I don't get to play the game ever again, just being able to think about it and uh, visualize what that would be like, I would I would much rather just have a a fire holes of new games all the time and be able to learn and experience those than to only have one game I ever played. Man, but. I was really leaning towards that too. But you know what kind of kind of flipped me back though was mm-hmm. the idea of having to constantly learn new games all the time. And I mm-hmm. already don't want to add more to my collection because I don't want to learn any more fucking rules. Oh, so. yeah. No, yeah. The idea of I, having to learn new rules every time I play a game is exhausting. I, would I mean, burn it gets out easier, and... but it's still annoying. No, I would burn out and and just stop. I would leave the hobby. Like this, the, that would be it for me. So I'm definitely See, I... I'm a I'm a pick a complex game, play the crap out. And, of and it. then the agony of like you just played a game, right? And you only just got to taste it. You didn't even get to like really mm-hmm. dive into any of the substance of it. Like, how many games have you played where you just like the first play just made you want to play it more? You know, oh, absolutely. And, and 
now you're just ripping that ripping that away? Nah, man. I would rather exhaust the game to, uh, to death. I would spend a lot of time figuring out what game I could probably play an infinite amount of times. Oh, we like, know what game yeah, you would we pick know. if you could play one know. game, Kim. I mean, <laughs> That's not even in question. I mean, Spirit Island is definitely up there, but I would have to... I would honestly have a different lens on if I was looking at my collection, knowing that like this is the last game you will ever yep. get to play. Oh, because that's true. Like if you pick something like Twilight Imperium, you're only going to play like every three or four months, mm-hmm. unless you find like a super intense group of people who will play with you all the time. Mm-hmm. Which you probably could. Yeah, um, I mean, it would have to be something where there's enough randomization, where I just feel like I wouldn't. I wouldn't get bored. Okay, so here's a question, though. So mm-hmm. if you get to pick one game, does that mean mm-hmm. if new expansions come out with it, you're allowed to get those? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you can definitely yeah, get expansion content. Yeah, so it's okay, just, it's just okay. the, the one game, yeah. See, I foresee know. Spirit Island just going on indefinitely, so yeah. I would totally pick that game now. That See, now that decision's easy, because I expect yep. the content for that game to actually keep keep coming based on the, the way that the, the developers talked about how they plan on indefinitely making content for it basically mm. so but yeah it's still not an easy easy decision but i think the rules learning kind of really tipped me over the edge i just no, no, even though it's easier and easier now and i can pick up a game so quickly it's just it's annoying it's annoying having yeah. to teach a new game all the time as well yeah like, i i don't mind teaching it's just the amount of time it adds to the length of the game is very quantifiable. It's it's a significant amount. There's also pressure too. Like I guess Tim, you might not run into this because you're obviously very good at teaching mm-hmm. games and you have lots of practice at it. But when I'm teaching someone a game, I'm like, is this coming across? Like, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Like, do you get what yeah, we're doing yeah. here? <laughs> and I mean, I, I feel like I just have a knack for it, but I know a lot of people mm-hmm. don't, and it's it's. It's not an easy thing to do. I, I'm just, I've been educating people a lot through various jobs that I've had. I think it, I've never been the most amazing person at any particular thing, but because mm. of the fact that I've, uh, because of that, sometimes I'll have struggles that because of those struggles, I know how to point out the pain points of things because I'm like, oh, you might get hung up on this. This is what this actually means. And people go, oh yeah, okay. And it. And if you're just a super genius, you'll never run into those things. You just, everything just makes sense to you. And you just, you don't understand what could possibly be blocking someone from understanding something. So yeah, see, kinda, this think, is what I'm running into professionally is that I've been doing mm-hmm. the job that I'm doing for so long that I forget that people that are brand new at it, like I forget what that feels like. So I can't, right. I used to think I was really good at teaching people stuff. And then mm-hmm. now I'm not. <laughs> I'm really not. It's I mean, it's it's not something to feel bad about because it is a skill. It's a skill oh, yeah. just like anything else to know how to, like, revert yourself back to a phase where, like, okay, I don't know anything. How do I teach that from the ground up? And yeah. that's – it's not easy. And there's there's a reason why there's some people who are great teachers and some people who are terrible teachers. And honestly, my most terrible teachers were usually the ones who were really fucking smart and you could tell that they were – but they just absolutely sucked at conveying those points because of the fact they're just too smart. Yep. It's kind of a weird, a weird caveat. It's kind of like that, that old saying of like, but it's kind of like that old saying of, if you know how to, if you really understand something, you can explain it in very simple terms. 
And I kind of view that in, in the same way. Like if you really understand something, you can boil it down to where anybody can understand what it means. There's truth to that. There's also though the element that if something just was intuitively obvious to you, it is often hard to realize you need to even explain it to somebody. And so right. I think that's where, somewhere where that, that, you know, really smart people, people who relatively understood something, you know, if I, if I look at the, uh, the board game and I look at the graphics, I just intuitively, intuitively understand what, you know, what a turn looks like and what the scoring is. Somebody doesn't have to teach me that game. And, I, and I've definitely, you know, teaching games to somebody who knows a lot of board games. You know, I've, I've, I think, uh, I think it was Everdell. I was, you know, basically I was teaching somebody and I, uh, it's, oh uh, yeah, it was, it was Everdell followed by, uh, 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 after wingspan that I was teaching to a friend It was both those games. Like, like, yeah, I'm basically not even going to bother teaching you the rules. We're, you know, we're playing during the pandemic, and I t- talked to a lot of people online, and you know this friend joined both games in a row. I was like, yeah, I'm not, bro, you know, you're you're going to pick this up as we play. You know, we'll have you go last in the turn order, and by the time you get around to your turn, you're basically going to know the game. And in both cases, he, he largely did. Whereas I had people that I had to do whole sessions where I did nothing but spend 45 minutes walking them through. This is how you draw a hand of cards. This is how you, you know, play a card. This is how you build tableau. All these things that had to, you know, painstakingly teach somebody who doesn't know gaming structures and syntax. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that definitely is the case, you know, with uh, tutoring and teaching math. I can sit there, I can look at a thing that, you know, oh, this is all easy, intuitive. You know, it's just obvious. You just know this versus so then trying to explain the, the, the basic concepts and the, and the fundamentals and, and all of that. I think really kind of plays back to our, our, our question in board gaming. This really has kind of put me in, in two different directions. If I had to pick one game to, to have for the rest of uh, rest of my life, um, I'd probably come down in, in two very diametric opposite directions. Uh, it probably is either Twilight Imperium or Skull for me. And why why Twilight Imperium? If I oh, have man, a group of people... Well, no, because if I have a group of people... It makes sense. ...that are going to play that a lot, and that's all we're going to play, you know... Let's set up a, you know, if we can set up a Twilight Imperium game every weekend for the rest of my life, done. That's yeah. That's I mean, at that point, it becomes an easy choice, right? You know, and, and 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 I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have any hesitation about doing that. I play like I'm going to enjoy it. My friends are going to enjoy it. We're going to have a great time. If I'm going to have to be taking this game and teaching, you know, casual people at a bar, I'm going to teach friends. I'm going to hang out on a weekend and do something. Which is Skull a more realistic a situation. Yeah, yeah. Which is a more realistic situation. Like, if, if, you're, if, I'm, if you're going to say, hey, uh, you know, you're moving to a foreign country where they don't have board games, uh, pack one in your, you know, you're going to a, you know, going to a, uh, on, a on a trip to Mars with a, a colonization uh, thing, you get to k- take one board game. Like, I mean, in that case, I could probably teach everybody on the trip to Twilight Imperium, we could do that. But, <laughs> yeah, you've, um, got a, you've got a time. You've got a time, and but, people are stuck there. <laughs> <laughs> they're stuck. We're, they're all going to play a game about space while they're in space, though. Questionable. All right. But yeah. But, mean, uh, but, you know, whereas if, if I have one game, though, and I'm having to teach it constantly and I'm having to make sure that everyone like Skull is infinitely uh, playable, even when you're good at it, because it's, you know, it's all bluffing and, and fun and, and, you know, casual. It's a game I can teach to everybody. It's a game that, you know, is, it has a massive amount of flexibility compared to if my only game that I have ever to play again is is twilight imperium mm-hmm. so to, to your point earlier it's easy to forget there is a large nomenclature that comes with board gaming that like we, we as a group will just throw around all the time because you know we're used to it at this point like you can say this is a deck builder and you're like oh okay now i know what i'm getting into like it, that's all it really takes 
But well, I mean, we even saw that with the fact that you know in an earlier episode, Sarah was like, you know, what's a take that mechanic? And like, oh well, we've been using that term casually for a decade. Doesn't even occur to us that that's a technical term in our in these games. Mm-hmm. And... No, but then you play a game that has it, like Villainous, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you're like, take oh, that that's, that's take that. <laughs> Fuck you. It is very yep. obviously what that is because you no. you throw down that card, you're like, bam, take that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> My mom got really, really into that part. <laughs> yeah. That's all you have to say. Uh, it's like, it's that. I think, so I would actually, obviously I'm going to say one game forever, but my mm-hmm. game is probably going to be Too Many Bones. because really? Because there's a lot of different ways to like remix it and play different mm-hmm. games because you got all the different characters. But also the important part for me is you can play it solo. Yeah. You don't have to get a huge group together. You can play it solo. So I was thinking, like, oh, I could play Final Girl for the rest of my life. But, like, that kind of ruins the social aspect of board games, mm-hmm. which is a huge mm-hmm. part of it for me. But I do like being able to play a board game solo. Too many bones? I can do both. Yeah, Spirit Island, you could play solo. Or if you're really masochistic, you could uh, play multiple spirits yourself. Yeah, you can do that with too many bones, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, in like fact, that, it's easier to do that than it is to play solo solo with too many bones because the, just imagine, the way that the, sure. the map works, the way that the balancing is, and yeah, stuff. yeah. I mean that that makes sense. So now that we're <laughs> that was a good warm up question, Sarah. Well, well done. Thirty minutes in, we finally are looking at our main topic. Yeah, I didn't know that we we're doing the, the BGG speed run. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm after making a huge deal about giving an outline for our episode last time. And like outlining exactly what we were going to be covering. I haven't even talked about what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be doing our Board Game Geek Top 100. But we're going to be going... If you if you don't remember, we ran through... Uh, we've gone through 100 down to 80. So we're in the 70s now. Um, Things have tap- shifted a tiny bit, just so you guys are aware. I think it's very minimal, but... I did see looking through like the last 20 or, you know, the last 20, um, there's a couple or at least one game I see that just randomly popped on there. That is $650 for some fucking reason. Wait, what game I, is this? I think, I think I just need to rage quit this podcast. We, there's no way for us to ever win this. Like it, the list keeps changing. Oh yeah. Like I, can, like, I know. Like that's why we're just, <laughs> we're giving it our college try as I like to call it. Okay. Like our best effort. Okay. Unless Both we sworn. unless we just like record the this whole thing like back to back to back, which guys like we're not popular enough that we're gonna do that. So hey now, hey now, we have hey, like I'm just calling it like it is. All right. I gotta say we have to celebrate for a moment. Our first episode has over 100 unique yeah, listens. Yeah, true. It hit that uh, a couple days ago. Oh yeah. my gosh, what? that's so. I mean, like to like a like hardcore podcaster, maybe that's not a big deal, but that's a pretty big deal for us. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm normally the one who's sitting here and constantly refreshing our, our stats and, and sending them out to you guys. I didn't hadn't seen that yet. Wow, very cool. I, I look yeah. I look every few days. So yeah, so we're we're watching you guys. We get yeah, little I analytics don't... about where you are in the world. <laughs> yeah, yep. we're watching you. I mean, no, not like that. We get like air, like our our Australian person's gone. Hasn't yeah, listened to like a month. Sad. Yeah, we're we're heartbroken. 
We, we said that Sarah should like hunt them down on social media. If you're just behind you, catch up uh, our, our dear listener, Australia, Australia, uh, know that we appreciate you and uh, are watching for you. And your yeah. absence has been felt. <laughs> yeah, no, we've, we've definitely noticed no downloads in 28 days from Australia. But so now sad. we have some, some listeners from India, which is interesting. That's pretty so cool. cool. And France. I saw France in there. Yeah, too. it's so cool. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. They're it's, all it's over also, the place, man. Also possible people are just using VPNs. Who knows? Um, Maybe, but I don't think so. Yeah. VPN to listen to us, all right? (laughs) Uh, uh, Maybe that says something about what content we're saying. (laughs) We are are puts you on a list. (laughs) We are so cringe that people don't want anyone to know they're listening to us. I mean, you know what? Maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. I mean, we were just talking about battle bots here. Come on. That that should put anybody who talks about that should be on a list of some sort. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if you haven't listened to our other episodes, essentially we're going through BoardGameGeek.com's top 100, talking about any experiences we've had with the game, um, talking about general like what what its scores are. Uh, the scores on BoardGameGeek, you have like the the critic, like the BoardGameGeek score, and then you have the player score. These are on a scale of zero to ten. In the 70s, we're looking at, like, high 7s for our scores, but we'll talk more about that uh, mid to high 7s, it looks like. Uh, we'll talk about that as we get for, for BGG, 7.5 is pretty solid. Like, there are not many games that are rated much higher than that. Like, the highest I've seen is, like, an 8. And even then, you're looking at, like, fringe games that, like... You know, there's a game that people like, then the expansion comes out, and only the people who love that game bought the expansion, and so they heavily, you know, there's a heavy bias in that rating of that game, and even that will only hit like eight, eight and a half at most. So, yep, the very, the very top of this list are at you know eight point three, eight point four. So yeah. Oh, speaking of uh... which, I saw an interesting YouTube video. I don't remember. I I really wish I could shout out who did it. I'll see if I can find them at some point, but. They did a video about how the ratings are what they are on Board Game Geek. They like went through Ooh. the they like figured out the math and basically how every every board game there has like this average I think it's like 13 there's like 1300 votes that are just like rated as a 5 and every board game gets that and then everything to like try and help like balance out games that don't have many ratings in them. And then anything else beyond that, like I'm explaining it really poorly. They actually went through and did all the math and explained basically how they arrive at these numbers. And it was really fascinating. Um, I'll see if I can remember who it is. And maybe in the next yeah. cast, I will, uh, I'll put, uh, give a plug for them because I thought the math was really interesting. Yeah. Hey, so, or and then everybody can stop notes. listening to us and our yeah. poor <laughs> explanations of things and instead listen to people who actually communicate clearly. Yeah, exactly. So Dang. see, because I'm, a super, because I'm a super genius, I don't know how to explain it to you fucking peasants, okay? You know, so. <laughs> explain it like I'm five, because for math stuff, I kind of am. No, it's because I'm a big dumb dumb. Well, I also only watched it once, so I don't really remember all the details. But yeah. Anyways, we'll have to link that math. in our show notes or something, because mm-hmm. it, sounds, yeah. it sounds cool. And math. It sounds cool. Quit saying math, okay? We're not a math podcast. Math. All right. Let's go. This is like when we logged in today and all you kept saying was yo. 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 In different voices. Yo. All right. Okay. All right. Number 79. Oh, my gosh. We had a whole conversation about how to say this and now I'm forgetting. Okay. It's Aeon's End. I think it's, yeah, that's right. Um, From 2016. 
And the tagline on this game is, Mages must reach their full potential to defend humanity from terrible monstrosities. Uh, 7.6 is this the score for this one. And with like around 20, since 2016. Like 20,000 votes on this. Have yeah, you guys, have, have y'all played it? Heard of it? I have not. I have played it. I've only played the digital version, which basically it's the same as the physical version. Um, it's like a boss battler, basically. Um, it's very straightforward. It's it's a deck focused. Like you basically are buying cards to add to your deck and trying to do damage to this monster who also is trying to do damage back to you, or also trying to do damage to like there's like a life force, or maybe it's like meant to be like a city or something that he's destroying, and you're trying to basically kill him before he either kills you or the city. And yeah, it's it's pretty good. I. I enjoy it. I haven't really played a lot of it to really give a solid recommendation of it, but it's been around quite a while. There's also a legacy version of the game. I don't really know much about that either, but it doesn't surprise me that the, that this is on here. Although I would mm. say you don't really hear much about it these days, but from what I could tell, obviously being on top 100 seems that uh, people who do have it really enjoy it. So. Nice. It's, yep. it's definitely I'm, worth, to, I would say, it's worth investigating if the idea of a boss battler sounds pretty interesting to you. You can pair up with other players, and every player is going to have different powers, and I think they also have a different deck that they can uh, basically have cards that they can purchase and put into their deck to play with, and so I would definitely check it out if deck builder slash boss battler sounds cool to you. The box looks As I've been cool. looking at giant, screenshots. Giant red yeah, monster on the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the 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 box cover art looks looks kind of neat. Uh, looking during at the, you know, pictures of components of things, they look okay. I'm not nothing nothing here is uh, making me feel like I have to go play this now. But yeah, the production uh, value is fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I it's, hadn't it's, seen it's, the physical it's, it's, it's version. Cool. It looks about as uh, deck builder as you would expect. <laughs> so the price range on it is also kind of like top of the casual tier for me. I feel like. So it's they have it listed on Amazon for like sixty bucks. Okay, that's kind of um, it's not cheap. It's not something I would consider like just. Well, yeah, I can buy that, but yeah, I'm not really sure how many uh, characters and stuff it comes with. But I think there's also I don't know if there's any expansion for it either. Actually, interesting. Okay, so lots of questions that we don't have answers mm-hmm. to for number seventy nine. Um, hey, at least at least is, we played it. Is, or I the kind of, of quality information you come to this podcast for right there. Yeah, you, you come here for as many <laughs> maybes and do they know what they're doing? You, you, you make sure that you ask yourself that question at least every few minutes that you're uh, watch that you're listening to us. So. Yeah. Don't so watch if some, us. If someone out there don't has, you know, Aeon's end and, and wants to invite me over to play it. I'm, you know, that, sure. You know, like why not? I'm I would definitely, I would definitely play it. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> aching to like get a copy of it and play it by any means yeah. but the digital version was fine cool we've so. already discussed you're not allowed to expand your collection anymore i still have room on the shelf i'm just saying that that shelf space is <laughs> there's now very a limit limited. coming there, you know what i can see happening i could see you having a closet that's just dedicated to boxes that aren't on the shelf and then like <laughs> swap there, out the ones that you want on display and those are the there shelf does ones. appear to be an empty closet behind kim as he's recording here uh could could stack that floor to ceiling no, with boxes of board games so so back there is all the empty boxes of all the expansions and stuff that i've consolidated into one box 
So there's a <laughs> yeah. there's like a box graveyard back there of like because we're the, millennials all the and we ones. can't we can't get rid of boxes. That's a what if I do thing. something with it later? I saw some cute ideas of like people <laughs> like. They, they they would like cut up the boxes and they make like a collage of like the different like box arts from like they the exp- cut the boxes. I know. <laughs> Hold your tongue. Oh my god, that hurts me. It does hurt, doesn't it? It does hurt. Oh, That's why I haven't oh. done it yet. All right, all right, move along, move along. Okay, all right, all right. Number seventy-eight, Eclipse, New Dawn for the Galaxy. This is an older one, two thousand eleven. Uh, the tagline is build an interstellar civilization by exploration, research, conquest, and diplomacy. And it has a six point seven 7.6. Yeah. So this is, this gets into, I'm sure this will come up many times as we go through this list, but somewhat argue if there's like a newer version of the game, should both versions of the game exist on, you know, as like separate entities on the list. Cause I imagine the Second version of this, which I think you have played, Sarah. Have you played the newer Eclipse Second Dawn of the Galaxy? Obvi- Ken has played it with me, but I can't yep. remember if you've played it. I'm tr- I'm trying to pull up the the thing to see if I recognize it. Wh- what is it? How does it play? If you uh, if you right click on, if, if you go to the top of the, of Eclipse uh, New Dawn for the Galaxy, it says reimplemented by Eclipse Second Edition. So you can click that one to see what the what that one looks like. Yeah, it's it's the got top. the ships on little. Uh, little stands and uh you end up building fighter kinds of ships you can upgrade the ship types um yeah i can't really comment on one. this game because i've only played the second edition which is the, box, uh, the second dog of the galaxy the box looks familiar but it might just be from me staring at your collection yes that's very light. that's very likely i mean you've got in this box it's huge yeah it's got it's got it's got, it it's got a big familiar yeah, it's got it's got a big uh, you know uh, Death Star in the middle that you have to you know you're trying to find and kill. So if you played it, you might remember, you'd remember that probably. But yeah, you basically you looks like it's got some table presence. Uh, it yeah, does. No, it's, it's really it's pretty. Some, well, the it's got second some edition-ish is. sort of feel to yeah. it, like because you do have like these like hexes that you're exploring. It's a it's a four X game where to to Ken's point, um, I can't speak to the first edition, only the second edition here. But basically, it's. Uh, a space exploration map where you kind of start in the middle of nowhere and then you explore outward into uh, the inner or outer rings of the galaxy. You flip, you're flipping tiles over. There's like alien, uh, neutral aliens that you could fight. And you're basically just trying to control as many planets as you can. And the more planets you control, the more upkeep that you basically have to do. So you have to find the balance of that. And then you're also fighting your opponents. And every ship type that you have, every person has four ships, you can upgrade them with little uh, tiles, basically. And you can upgrade the engines, the weapons, the shields. And so you can really customize every ship and make, like, crazy suicide bomber ships. Or make, like, these crazy, like, tank ships that can just take tons of damage. But they don't really do much on their own. And so there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff Uh to check out if you really want like a, a neat but like a contained space for four x game like yep. e- explore exploit i forget what the x's are something like that <laughs> it's definitely definitely much more of an actual battling kind of a game than what ki is yeah, ki, TI is cold, more war. Of cold war uh diplomacy politics uh eclipse second edition which probably is fairly similar to uh to this one 
is uh, is definitely much more of a build armies and or build fleets and go kill your neighbors. Yep. Wait, and so do pretty... we expect to see the second edition on the list yeah. further up? It's, it's, I do. Yeah, it's, it's number yeah. yeah it's it's, no, it's number sixteen on the list, so f- further up. Yeah. So don't spoil it's, it. Oh, I'm Spoilers. sorry. Um, who knows? Who knows Ooh. what might be coming later? These who, questions. I mean, the list that... can change the next time we record. And maybe actually, it maybe it's actually, not on there I said anymore. sixteen. I said sixteen is actually nineteen. So you know, I I can now be uh, pummeled by uh, by our. Our, uh, our fans for my, my misstatement there. But yes, number 19. How dare so you? It's okay, so we're going to not spend a whole lot of time talking about the old game because we'll talk about the new game when we eventually get to number 19. Yeah, the only thing I'll say is I've heard pretty consistently that m- most people agree second edition is better than the first edition. So and they it's don't even definitely have a, prettier. They don't even have a price next to it, so that probably means it's not available on Amazon. I mean, yeah, good luck getting it. I mean, it's from 2011 and i'm pretty sure they're what they're not printing it anymore so Dude, i just bought a perfume set from like 2010 like you can find anything on ebay but oh sure, i get what sure. i get your point <laughs> i don't know why i just thought about that um okay so number 77 five I, tribes I, 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 found, I found a copy for 60 dollars on ebay so yeah definitely available on ebay and not super expensive i think yeah. probably because of the new edition but anyway yeah. sorry all right moving Se- on 77 <laughs> Five tribes, the Jins of Nakala. We're gonna say that I said that right. Um, this is from yep. 2014. Tagline is: Move assassins, elders, and builders through the Nakala to claim oases and control Jins. Oh, that was good. That was good. <laughs> so we, we My talked about this. I, I would like oases is not. <laughs> I probably nope. would have. I probably would have murdered that. So. We, uh, we talked about this game uh, a couple episodes ago, right, Tim? Um, we did. I this believe. was a this was the sole proprietor of you know the the reason why we we mentioned game complexity whatsoever. So yeah, I, I, despite the fact that it spawned a whole episode by itself, I don't really know much <laughs> about the game. Uh, so again, it, it, this is the kind of diligent research <laughs> and experience you come here for <laughs> hey now we and i will throw this out there this also was discussed on our board game triangles discord server Ooh. so just a plug little in the tag, discord little, that's little right plug there want, well done sarah yeah if you want it if you want some actual subs, uh substance you can uh migrate over there where my dad actually talked about this game a bit but yeah yeah, basically there's a grid. Let's see let's see if we got some images here to look at. There's a grid mm-hmm. with like various meeples on them and you're basically trying to find a way of like chaining them in such a way that you could pick up basically as many meeples as you can and it's a lot a, a lot of the there's a lot of complexity here in terms of figuring out what the best move is because there's a lot of different ways that you can chain things together. And so if you want something with a lot of substance in terms of crunchy decision-making per turn, this is definitely going to satisfy uh, satisfy that itch. So, um, And I'm sorry, but no one mentioned that there are camel meeples. There are Ooh. camel meeples. And then, little tiny camel meeples. And small little Aladdin penises, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They, to anyone who's not familiar with this game, there are some meeples that are fairly phallic. They are. I'm not going to say that they're not. Because <laughs> yeah. my, my knee jerk there was, no, they're not. But uh, but, but they are. They yeah, are. They are. <laughs> they are. That is one phallic tower. Okay. 
Um, yeah, so I can't really say much about the game. It's talked about a lot. A lot of people rave about it, so it's very deserving of probably where it is here on this list. Crunchy is the, the word. Um, yeah, cr- it de- yeah, that's definitely a consistent word used for this game. Okay. Oh, my gosh. This one, this, okay, number 76. It came out when, the year I graduated from high school. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, this is Race for the Galaxy. It was from 2007. Uh, the t- tagline is Worlds Await, Colonize, Develop, and Conquer, Taking Advantage of Others' Choices. And it's a 7.6. Yeah, so this is also a... I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if it's uh, classified as deck builder. It's been a little bit since I played it's it. Probably, but... probably I, I was, I'd say more of a tableau builder, I think. Yeah, than, tableau uh, builder. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and this it's is definitely really one, cool. one of the classic capital builders for sure. Um, I've Absolutely. not actually played this. I've played Roll for the Galaxy, which is very similar, but uh, uses a lot of similar mechanics. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this is definitely one of the classic capital builders. I am yeah, overwhelmed by the number of cards that are in these pictures. Th- this is one of those games, Sarah. You know how you talked about earlier? Well, people will obsess over a game. This uh-huh. is one of those games. There's yes. people who, like, it's very compact. It's really easy to bring places, and it is. it, it has a huge, beloved fan base. And, and I think deservedly so. From the times mm-hmm. that I played it, I have the digital version of this. I had, like, a huge digital bundle thing that I bought on Steam, and it had, like, a bunch of board games. So I've played a lot of digital versions of some of these. And it just, it's a testament to the fact that there is a digital version of this. So yep. it is popular in, in and of itself for that reason. And... Yeah, oh gosh, it's got 50,000 reviews. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, this is, you, you cannot go wrong with this game. Everyone should at least play it once if you enjoy tableau building and you want a tableau building with like really hard decisions every turn because there's definitely a lot of, a lot of complexity around how the cards operate because each card can, uh, serves different functions in the way that you use it. And so it, it it's a really cool mechanic. I, I can't, I'm not being very eloquent with, with discussing it just because I haven't played it mm-hmm. in a while, but I do remember there being a lot to it. And when I was into the game, I played it over and over and over again, even against the AI to like try and get better at it oh, because nice. I really enjoyed it. So, um, highly recommend it. You could probably pick it up cheaply, like the, the digital version and give it a shot, but yeah, it's well loved for, for good reason. Yep. Yep, I mean it's, it's inexpensive. The physical version as well, it's like thirty bucks. It's uh, yeah, at fifty thousand, fifty-five thousand uh, reviews. It's probably probably one of the four highest reviewed games we've talked about so far. Like it's you know very very loved, very uh, well well remembered game. But I don't yeah, see it going I anywhere either. Played it. Yeah, and and uh, one thing I do know also is there is some mixed feelings about the expansions. So. Definitely do mm. your research if you plan on getting it. I think it's definitely worth looking at the expansions because they just add variety to the game. Yeah. So, but just just keep in mind, there's some people who really feel like you know, oh, this one expansion is pretty meh. You could probably skip it. Um, and there's others that are pretty consistently. Everyone will say you should play with this expansion. So just uh, keep, and keep there, there are like nine expansions. I mean, this this game has definitely had lots of lots of investment. Now I think the newest one is uh, it looks like it's one coming out this year. Uh, Xeno Counter Strike. So make it. You oh know, wow, they're still be... making expansions for it. Yeah. No, oh, it's. I cool. mean, this is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's so. just a testament to the popularity of the game. I don't think you can go wrong with at least trying it. Yep. Sweet. Um. All right. So, 
On from that, we've got number 75, Agricola, the revised edition from 2016. Tagline is, help your farm to prosper in this updated, streamlined edition of the acclaimed game. And it's a 7.6. And I will say, uh, Sarah, you're definitely going to want to look at the meeples. Yeah, 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 definitely. uh, Thanks for this one. So as okay. you uh, play more and more board games, this is another typical U Rosenberg. You look at it and you go, yep, that's a U Rosenberg game. He just has this, has a particular art style and just structured the way that his games are. Okay, and, wait. Yeah. I, ha- I have a, an inish moment for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's not how you say it. <laughs> is it oh, is it, is it Uwe? Or, or Uwe? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I heard yeah. a, a girl on TikTok say it, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> ah. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. to be corrected because I do not want to say yeah. it wrong. So Uwe Rosenberg. Uwe. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he is a, uh, I think he's a vegetarian. And so he loves making uh, things about food. There's uh, little pumpkin meeples. Yep. There you go. Um, which is also why in Feast for Odin, that's why you're like part of, part of the task in Feast for Odin is you're trying to f- feed your Vikings and you need to feed them beans and, and meat and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Oh, uh, this yeah. is cute. His games always have such a vibe. Yeah, they do. They they have a very similar vibe across them. Anyways, yep. so th- this game, I, I have not played this version of it, but I've played the two-player version, which is Agricola, uh, All Creatures Big and Small, I think is the full name mm. of it. Oh, oh, that's the cutest name. Yeah, it, it's very <laughs> cute. Um, and it's also a, a phenomenal two-player game. And so I imagine that the vibe of this is pretty similar but mm-hmm. I can't really speak to this version uh, overall. I think it's really hard to really rate uh, the Uwe Rosenberg games just because because they have a decent amount of overlap. You can get a similar feel out of all of them, and it's really about like which, which game has maybe mechanics that you enjoy a little bit more than some of the others or maybe right. just the theme of them. But I would say you can't really go wrong with any of them. It's just some people might rate them better than others depending on their preferences. But almost nobody yep. will say that they're a bad game. Yeah. Yep. Almost always a fun time playing mm-hmm. his games. No, I, I would say that, I mean, I think Agricola compared to uh, one of his, I like more, we'll talk about later because it's higher on the list. But uh, if Caverna, you know, Agricola is... You know, a little bit more uh, simpler <clears throat> than some of his harder games. Uh, it's not, I think he's had, it's not. By no means is a lightweight game. I think it's still like a three point five, uh, yeah, three point four six on his on, of a out of five. You know, is a complexity rating, so not not simple, but also uh, not as complex as, as his games get. So if you're looking for something that gives you that taste and gives you that feel and is not quite as overwhelming as uh, as other games he's done, uh, this is a you know definitely a classic, well loved. I've, I've actually not played Agricola because I. Do love complexity, and so when I looked at uh, which uh, which uh, Uwe uh, Rosenberg game do I want to start with, I definitely went for the most complicated, uh, highest rated game on it. Which you know, again, we'll talk about more later. But uh, it is like the whole the whole feel, the whole mechanical uh, sense of what he does. If all of his stuff is just very exciting. Uh, so if you don't play any of them, do it. <laughs> if this game's anything like the two player one, the main point of this is basically you are trying to build out your farm. There's different buildings that have different powers to them that you're that give you points for different things. And mm-hmm. you're basically trying to wrangle up different animals. And so you're trying to build uh, fences in such a way that you can keep as many sheep or horses or cows 
uh, in a specific section as possible, and then you yep. get points for how you distribute those animals across your farm and what buildings you have. So it's yep. adorable. It's it's it very is... it's definitely got the cute factor. So if you're it's trying to get very cute uh, a lady into a game, this is a really good one to start with because the cuteness will definitely you said suck that in. in the creepiest way. If you're trying to uh, get a lady, okay, no, you made it creepier. There you go, made it creepier. I thought it was creepy before. Don't uh, don't ever give me the chance to one up myself because I'll do it. That was a that was if... giving milady vibes hardcore. Mm. So, so you I, look I, at this I would game, really you, say, you tip though, your fedora, and then you you purchase it saying, "Milady, I have a game for you." This, this would you is, like to this farm is, some cows, milady? <laughs> this is Farmville, the board game. Farmville, so, the board game. You know, if I you, like yep. Yeah, if you if you have, if you've played Farmville or you know someone who's super into Farmville and you want to play in a board game version, that's that's what this is. Wait, so I have a question: Is would mm-hmm. this game be considered? Um, oh my gosh! Now I've forgotten the name of it. The name, the 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 type of board game that I can't ever pin down what it is, a Euro game. Would this be yes. considered a Euro game? Yes, I, I would say extremely so because again, each player has their own farm that they are building in. Each player is doing their own strategies. There are you know some interactions between players over the course of the game, but largely you just build your own farm and collect your own animals. At the end mm-hmm. of the game, you count up all the points for all the things that you grew and raised and you know uh upgraded and that's that's your score so yes very much so you you don't have any direct points throughout the game that you're competing against or that you are tracking you don't know how well you're doing till the end very much euro game i would say oh Mm. my gosh i feel like a girl scout who just got their like knows what a euro game badge is (laughs) basically it's like are you guys doing an activity together and maybe once in a while someone will take the piece that you wanted that's a euro game Yep. Okay. Do you know All who's right. winning at any given point? If the answer is no, you're probably playing a Euro game. All right. All right. Okay. So 74. I feel like we've got some collective experience with this one. Azul from 2017. Artfully... I haven't heard of it. What's this? Sorry. <laughs> Artfully <laughs> embellish the walls of your palace by drafting the most beautiful tiles. And this is a, also a 7.6. All right, so we do have a votes winner now at this point with 87,000 votes. Yeah. That one far eclipses, like the next best was like 50,000. No, and then the I next feel best like after that was like 20,000. Seven, seven, seven Wonders had 103,000. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Seven Wonders was up there. That's right. But, but it's not it's too close. far behind it. Yeah. And yep. also, Seven Wonders has been out for how long in comparison? Yeah, 2010. Uh, 2010. Yeah. Compared to 2017. And Azul is 2017. Yeah. So, yeah, much younger. Uh, so, yeah, the this other one big took, thing with took Azul, board gaming by storm. Yeah. Azul is a, it's, I mean, it's an abstract kind of a game that, you know, there's not like, you're not like sitting here with a, with a theme and a story. And, I mean, like, you know, overall, a board game game has it rate as the number two abstract game in that category. Like, it is, it absolutely, it's, it's a, it's a fairly simple game. The weight's a 1.7 out of 5. Mm hmm. But it is not a game that when you're playing it, you feel like um, it is. It lacks decision space. It doesn't lack control over your fate. Like you, when you're playing Azul, you do feel like you are making decisions that will impact your game. But it's also a game that's only thirty to forty-five minutes to play. So mm-hmm. it is. It is short. It is sweet. It is easy to teach. It ha- It is beautiful. You're 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 moving around uh, little tiles on it. You know, like Tim, you know, mentioned. Like when this came out, this just completely 
took the entire gaming world by storm. Like this is uh, age recommendation. This is eight plus. I mean, how many games wow. have we talked about here that you could teach to an eight year old? Yeah, I mean, this the game is, is a phenomenal very game. And the decision space, like you said, Ken, like it's not huge, but there's meaningful choices. And yep. honestly, you don't have to like agonize over it either overall. Like I wouldn't say I've spent turns where I just like sit there and I'm trying to decide what to do. Like there's meaningful thought and there's never a strictly right answer either. But exactly. You, but overall, I wouldn't say that you have to agonize over the strategy of it. And it'll it'll it definitely will. It's a good like filler game to where if you want a short game that still makes it feel like you had to make some decisions, this is like this is right up there, and it's a fantastic intro game. Absolutely, I Sweet. do not have a copy of this, but I probably should. Like this is this is why I'm sitting going, oh maybe I, I need to uh, you know maybe look at add this to my. Uh, my, my, my shopping cart on Amazon, or at least my wish list, because it's definitely uh, a fun game. Honestly, <laughs> the hardest part of Azul is trying to pick what version you want, because at this yep. point, there's like four or five different versions where they... What's, what's cool about what they did, though, is the drafting mechanic maintains, is, is maintained across all of them, but the way that you then... Uh, so basically, that you have these like really nice uh, acrylic tiles, which is another reason mm-hmm. why people love this game. There's... It's just so fun, like, drafting acrylic and just, like, pouring them out of a bag or pulling them out of a bag. It's just a lot of fun. Um, but And they're decorated beautifully, and you're just drafting them. And then you need to put yep. them somewhere, like, on your board. And what your, quote, board is in every version of Azul is different. And so the way that you yep. score points is also different. But the drafting mechanic ma- uh, is the same. So you could play any different version of Azul and, for the most part, pick it up pretty quickly and there's just little nuances compared to each different one. So there's not really an idea of like an expansion in this. So if you see a different version of Azul, it's just, it's, it's like a different game, but also not. So just be aware of that. And you'll have different people who like different ones for different reasons. They definitely differ in complexity, depending on which one you get. I don't know if different ones are on the uh, BGG top 100. I'm imagining they're all kind of captured under the same umbrella, but they are kind of their own standalone games, so maybe not. It, it does look like uh, most of the other versions are significantly further down the list. So I think this is the only one that made the hundred top one hundred list. Uh, looking at it, uh, uh, that makes sense. Here. I mean, at this point, like they've kind of they've kind of overdone it at this point. And I would say that if you own Azul, for example, you don't really need to own the other versions. So kind of do your research before you pick up a copy and see which one you think either just looks cooler to you or whatever. Uh, you can't go wrong with any of them. It's just thematics and also maybe complexity. So take a look at the two of those and see what uh, what you would want more. All right. So jumping from 74 to 73, we are going polar opposite ends <laughs> of the spectrum of what you can expect from a board game. Yeah, well. um, okay. <laughs> so number 73 is Kingdom Death Monster from 2015. The tagline is try to survive in a nightmarish world that lies under eternal darkness. And I say it's diametrically wow. opposed to Azul because it is one instead of 87,000 votes. This one is a nine ninety four hundred, So like a whole like exponential <laughs> drop in, you know, whatever. Um, that's not exponential. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or magnitude. We've already talked about how math is not my strong suit. But yes, order of magnitude is the thing that I was searching for in my brain. Um, 
so it's an 8.5 audience score with this like 10,000 people who have played or who have uh, voted on it. So it's just like very beloved. It's Amazon price is $650. Yeah, it's th- this is a a honking big box. And it's got th- this is definitely one of those games that people will just buy it and this is what they'll obsess over and play. And item weight from Amazon is 6.8 pounds. Dang. The minis like, though, the minis, the minis look, look really cool. <laughs> they look dope as hell. That is that is for like, sure. It's yeah, it's pe- monster minis that you're fighting. Mhm. Yep, and there's just ones with like a bunch of boobs on them. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so very a uh, very adult theme, so we'll go with that. Um, oh, it is 17 plus. It's rated 17 plus. Oh, I know. It's yeah, no, it, it is Kim is not is not exaggerating saying that it is yeah, they they have absolutely nude minis and things in this. This is not, yeah. The but complexity it, level is a 4.26, which is one cool of the highest hell. we've seen. I think it's like a boss battler, but I'm not I'm honestly not sure. I'm fairly um, certain you're right. Well. It's a fully yeah. cooperative tabletop hobby game experience. So they yeah, are expecting yeah. this to be your own hobby. Like, yeah. Uh, is, yep. If you're willing to spend fucking $650, I sure hope so. So. And it is up to three player, it looks like. But there's a, an, ex- oh no, you and three friends. Or yep. there's no, a five, up to, four. up to five with a, a game variant. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah, I don't know a lot, but do do some research before you consider getting a game like this. I definitely hear rumblings of this here and there. So it is talked about. It's not like some just kind of like obscure game that like a random bunch of people just overly voted on. But also be aware this starts to enter that territory of, you know, they probably rated it really highly because they were willing to spend $650 on it and, you know, take the uh, take the praise with a grain of salt. Yeah, but it yep. seems looks really cool. Looks cool as hell. No, right it looks incre- it does look incredible. Just looking at the art, you can tell that it is uh, it is well made. There's a lot of quality components here that even even I am like, ooh, I kind of want to try that. That looks kind of yep. cool. Do I'm not financing? Can I can I get yeah. an APR on this? This is this is absolutely not the kind of thing you get if you don't know who you're going to be playing it with. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. <laughs> I, I I think I mentioned before that I held back on buying Twilight Imperium for years because I wasn't sure who I'd be playing it with, um, and that's a much more affordable game. It's like if I you know. Basically, I, I decided if I got to play Twilight Imperium once a year for you know the rest of my life, it was well. If I got to play it four or five times, it was probably well worth having bought mm-hmm. a game like this. Um, I would need to have several friends. I guess you could play it alone, but I you know like for me to for me to get a game like this, I'd have to have three friends that I know were going to make this their new cooperative tabletop hobby experience. And basically, um, I mean, so here's what you do: you get the <laughs> you get the group of four, and you split the six hundred and fifty yeah. equally. No, that's exactly what you do with this yep, kind of thing. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because you can tell, like, even just the character sheets and stuff, it's eliciting very like D and D like level of involvement for sure. Which is crazy because D and D like the upfront cost for that is like you can get a thing of dice for like ten dollars, and you can download the sheets online. Like, ideally, you'd have the book, but. 
You I mean, this, yep, this, this just kind of speaks yeah. to just kind of the the scope creep or the mini creep that is going on in the industry right now of just how how big and bad can you make your box? Like, is did, is the direction that we're going? Did did did, did you guys see this picture uh, of this one took of the box next to their three year old here? No. Uh, <laughs> <in> the, uh... <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. So go look at the images there. They got they got uh, click click the images tab there. Uh, the uh, it's got uh, adorable three-year-old include for size, and uh, uh, the box. Oh, I do see it. Oh my yeah. gosh, that yep. box is gigantic. Yes. Yeah. Whole, like if you get, yeah. picture a three-year-old, it's mm-hmm. most of the three-year-old. Yeah. It yep. I'm not sure yep. how it compares to like Gloomhaven, but it might be bigger. Well, or I should I, say I, Frosthaven. Yeah. Frosthaven yeah, is think, kind of the is, the echelon now. Frosthaven. I think. Is I think. Big. I think this is a bigger box than Frosthaven, but I. I I'm trying to remember the last time I saw them side by side. I, I, cause I have seen them before places, but yeah, it's, it's a huge box. Yeah. Very well, big. On that Actually, note, uh, exactly. Maybe none of our audience is going to buy this game. So <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, the, just the, just by the sheer numbers game. Okay. Like number of people who are interested in RPG games that are $650 that also have a group of friends that, that will probably chip in and play with them. Who knows? I'm saying if you if you are listening to this and you have this game, absolutely let us know on Instagram or Discord. Or, Hell yeah, I yeah, will like, go out I, of my I, way to try it out. It looks cool as hell. Yeah, like, definitely, definitely, cool. yeah, definitely neat. All right, so number seventy two is Android Netrunner from 2012. A mega corporation versus Netrunner in this futuristic cyberpunk game of cat and mouse. I've got two words for you with this one. Cult following. Yes. Uh, it It's kind of died off, I think, because they lost the IP rights to the game, so they cannot make any more content for it. But oh, there oh, really? is a huge dedicated fan base that are, like, making cards for the game because they love the game say, so yeah. much. Yeah, there, there is a fan expansion that came out last year for, for, for the game. So, yes, there are fan expansions wow. being made. Yeah, Wait, so, so what is the IP? Is Netrunner, like, a... I'm not sure. I just I just know that the oh so it was designed by Richard Garfield, which for those of you who uh, who know who that is, that is the creator of Magic the Gathering. Oh, yeah. So that kind of also gives you kind of a scope of. That's also probably why it has a bit of a cult following, and I imagine it also plays very similar or has a similar vibe to Magic the Gathering. Obviously, there's going to be different mechanics in there, but. Um, it, Richard Garfield seems to have a similar uh, similar pony show that he has with all of his card games, basically. Uh, it same is an thing. asymmetrical living card game for two players. Yep. Uh, same with, like, Keyforge. Keyforge is also, like, a, another, like, magic spinoff-ish sort of thing. He kind of, you know... I'm not saying that he can only do one thing, but they also, kind of like how Uwe Rosenberg has a bit of a theme to what stuff he designs, so does Richard Garfield. So. so kind of to help people understand what Netrunner is, like Magic, you build a deck with it. Unlike Magic, you don't go out and buy booster packs. So with uh, Netrunner, Android Netrunner, what you do is you, you buy, you know, buy, buy the uh, you know, original box, or I'm sure if you even need the original box for it, but then you buy additional expansions for it that give you sets of cards. Then with those sets of cards that they include with the game, you... Use those to build your deck to go and, and have your battles. So unlike 
magic where you don't know necessarily whether you're going to get the cards you want or not. In this case, you're just buying big boxes of cards. You know exactly what's going to be in the box, and those are the cards that you have to build your set with. Yeah, I mean, it, I definitely would prefer something like that instead of just throw money at it, which is kind of what magic has become. Yeah. Let's just alien. I don't know. Magic you know I don't. I don't know the extent to which you have to like go buy all the expansions in order to build a good magic, deck with Netrunner. But people love Netrunner yeah, for sure. I, I think it if has, you're playing Magic, you following. know that that's what's going on. You know, like it's all yep. it's all a gamble, and you, you either do that or you spend twenty dollars on a card and make sure you get it. Just all right. Yep. All right. It's just. Okay. I mean, it's just the way it is. I love Magic as a game. Oh yeah. I used to play it a lot. So no, I, I have friends that are still in it, and that is they, they they understand that that's what's happened with the game. Like nobody, I don't think anybody's just questioning that that's what's happened with the game. So if you want to avoid the part where you have to uh, buy a good deck, now you could just have a static set of cards that you know. Now obviously there's downsides to that because obviously people figure out broken combos. Well, now those are not going anywhere unless they introduce a new set of cards that somehow circumvent that combo. But mm. exactly. Well, with all the money that you save playing Android Netrunner, instead of spending all your money on magic cards, you could buy Kingdom Death Monster. Oh, no, no, no. See, <laughs> you're not going to save any money buying Android Netrunner because you can't find it anywhere. And oh, you, that's true. So you're probably going to spend an ass load of money to get a copy of this. Never mind. Scrap that. They don't have a price on this one. so Well, yeah. that, that's probably all you need to know. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's priceless. Um, okay, so number 71 is I've actually played this one, the first one of this 10 that I've played. Let's go. Uh, is Mechs versus Minions from 2016. Uh, cooperative pro- cooperatively program and pilot your mechs to defeat an army of marauding minions. Um, this has a, a score of 7.6, but the audience or the player's score is 7, 7.97, so a little bit higher. Tim, not, not too much you own this one. That's right. This is one of the first board games that I owned, actually. Uh, primarily because I'm a big League of Legends fan. And so, uh, and also it was just well reviewed uh, as a game on its own, but it's also a really well done IP game. Uh, I mean, made by Riot Games. And it was their first foray into board gaming. And supposedly they were going to do another one. I'm not really sure what the status of that is now at this point. But yeah, it's. A really cool idea. You basically have one of four characters, and the, I, the characters have like their own unique powers, but it's a fairly small part of the game, I would say, overall. The, big, the biggest part of it is you have a big deck of powers that um, you have a command sheet. From left to right, you have six slots, and you basically will put these, uh, these cards into one of those six slots, and sometimes you can power them up by getting the same card and, and stacking it on top of it, and it will strengthen that ability. But you have to, on your turn, execute that, that command line from left to right in that exact order. You're not allowed to skip anything. You must do everything that is in that sheet in that order. And so it will. Uh, some of the options are moving your mech in a specific direction. Some of them are spinning your mech because moving does not necessarily mean rotating. So moving, rotating, and then all kinds of different attacks, like shooting blades in a straight line, several hexes down, or sp- spraying fire in a cone that is only uh, covers certain, certain hexes. So the, and then you're going to be doing missions. There's 10 missions in the game, and it's basically kind of like a mini campaign, basically. And the missions get harder and harder. 
and you basically are trying to accomplish something in those missions and you are working together. It's a cooperative game. So you're working together with your uh, friends to try and coordinate your command lines to all work together to solve these problems. And it's a really unique system. I haven't really seen another game that does something like it. And yeah, it's very unique. And the minis? Yeah, the and the perfect. Yeah, the mini quality is great and if you're a League of Legends fan, it will absolutely elicit that feeling of like you killing those minions and you just and eventually you'll really fill that command line up and you'll just become a god and it feels amazing when you can just like execute just 20 minions at a time because you've you've perfectly planned out your command line and it's it's really cool. I, I cannot say uh, enough about this game, and it makes me want to play it every time I talk about it. So, I I really can't say anything about it because I've never played it, and you know it looks cool. I guess like if you wanna <laughs> if you wanna execute a plan with a tiny, well, not even tiny, because they're not tiny mini minis. They're like pretty big minion like mech things. But like mm. Heimer, you can play Heimerdinger. Like it's like really cool. Like really cool. I I thought Models you'd be are... like a Tristana fan. I mean, there's just something about the <laughs> the glasses. <laughs> yeah, I, I see you. I see you. But Ken, you need to play this game. You would yeah, definitely fun. you would definitely enjoy it. It's definitely one. This is one that Morgan's played with us, and he really likes oh, nice. this type of game because he is someone that likes to think out like, okay, if I do this, it's going to do this and this and this and this and this. And like, he likes games like that. So it, it's really fun, yeah, to trace out your pathways because like. Because of the six slot nature of it, you trying mm-hmm. to figure out the best spot to like put a put an ability to have the uh, largest effect is like really important. And then on top of that, as you take damage, you're gonna get damage cards that cover those abilities and then do things you don't want your mech to do, and it just totally fucks mm-hmm. up your your plan. And so you you kind of have to think about and plan like, okay, you can even sometimes intentionally take damage to try and help yourself. So like. It's not even that like negative effects are always bad. And so it's kind of mm. fun to like play around with that and figure out how you can use things to your advantage. Um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. And the largest downside is it's probably hard to get a copy of it cuz I don't think it's in print anymore. I don't think they're yeah. going to print it. I was going to say this one does not have a price, but I am assuming not cheap and not readily no. available since it's not like on It was Amazon originally right an amazing price. So, but... yeah, looking at eBay, $250 on eBay. Is and as uh, the lowest I can find, there's some you know, that's there's only I think one at that price, there's they go up from there, so yep. So, party at Tim's house because he has it. <laughs> I mean, little um, did I know this would become a really hard to get game, <laughs> like I just I bought it because I love the game, and yeah, it's unfortunate that they're not printing it anymore. Yeah, very cool, very fun, very thematic. If you like League of Legends, you'll probably like this game. Not because it's the same. No, I would say it, it's one of those. It, it's definitely a game to where if you don't know anything about League of Legends, it doesn't matter. You'll enjoy yeah. it. Hmm. Um, but if you like League of Legends, it makes it all the more enjoyable because there's, you could tell that the heart and soul is like is there. Yeah. Very fun. Okay. Last one for tonight or whenever you're listening to this time frame. Um, <laughs> number 70, Obsession. is from 2018. Renovate an estate, manage servants, and pursue romance in Victorian England. Oh man, this, this has one eight point one. Yeah, this one has been raved about recently. Um, th- there's been a lot of like major, m- major board game channels that have really talked this one up. 
thematically it sounds just like a lot of fun. It's just you being a rich asshole trying to basically buy as much random shit as you can. This has been my understanding of it. Um, I think so. People really, really enjoy this game because of the theme. Yeah, so it's here. It hmm. says, you're ahead of a respected but troubled family estate in mid-19th century Victorian England. After, after several lean decades, family fortunes are looking up. Your goal is to improve your estate uh, so as to be in better standing with the truly influential families of in Derbyshire. So, yeah, it's, it's you just buying a bunch of stuff as a, rich, as a rich person. And you're just filling your mansion with random things. It, hmm. Nice. Yeah, fun. I, I've heard so a lot you, of a lot, a lot this, of great things. Cameron, about you, it. you just heard not 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 played. Yep, I haven't played it unfortunately. I would love to, but uh, I just—it's hard to know if it would be like something that would have like staying power. I need to do some research on it and see if it would be you know one of those things that like yeah the theme is fun for a couple of playthroughs and then you know after that you're just like yeah whatever like it's not mechanically that interesting. But I feel like being rated this high, that's probably not true. It does not look like it's super uh, uh, inexpensive to get your hands on either. It's woof. Uh, yep. So looks like it's looking uh, uh, looks over uh, probably over hundred bucks to get. Yeah, uh, it's probably just due for a reprint. Yeah. I will not be surprised. It's probably going to get reprinted. It's it's just ra- so? it's raved about right now. So uh, I don't think it's going it's pretty. Anywhere. Definitely pretty. Sorry, I don't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? We don't either. So <laughs> I don't know if the microphone picked that up, but oh no, it definitely did. Uh, funny. Uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely a pretty game. Uh, I like the like the meeples and tokens and everything for it. Looks uh, nice, nice colors and and cards and everything. So yeah. And this yeah. is the riveting commentary that people come to us for. You know, I mean, no, we're, we're very knowledgeable. Mm. Tim's kind of heard of it. <laughs> I, I, yep. Hey, at least I can tell you whether or not like because there are some games on here that are high up on here that I don't ever really hear much about, and I'm just like, okay, like I guess it's popular, but not many people are talking about it. So maybe it's just more niche, or maybe it's just it's an older game that has kind of fallen out compared to other things, and just the sheer amount of votes have kind of kept it where it's at. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's good to still get a pulse on like okay, well if yeah. you are staying active in the board game scene, like are you actually hearing about these games? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's our list for yeah for today. I guess we are more than a quarter of the way through this, which is exciting. It's crazy to um, think about, and hopefully this is a nice break from the two heavy topics that we had uh, the last two times. So we're trying to make sure that we shuffle things up a little bit and not kind of do the do too much at once of one thing so yeah so let's let's wrap up what are what do we have coming up the next few weeks i'm trying to decide what board game we should play next and i've been kind of aching for that ti rolling right obviously mexican yep, minions yep. though oh true <laughs> yeah we can and, do both. i mean my wife will be done to play mexican minions so yeah okay oh, morgan man. would okay. probably be down for that like i said he loved that game oh that's tough see that this is the biggest challenge I have now is and why I was actually okay with how the last board game night went where it was just the three the three of us Ken my wife and I because it's so hard with just four player games I always either have like three players or way more than four mm-hmm. four players is the hardest player count I think to to match unless you have like two couples who are going to play together like 
Other yeah. than that, it's very hard. And I have a hard time uninviting anybody to come play board games. So if more people are coming, that's, they're just coming. So yeah, I mean that's definitely where you know doing uh, doing two games uh, might be something we need to do more uh, more consistently. But uh, yeah, I think so because otherwise my four player games are just never getting played. Almost all of the games that I own are four player games. If they're not solo games. <laughs> that's what's so interesting is four player games are, that's like the most popular player count by, yeah. a, by a significant margin. But so far Morgan and I just play them as two player games a lot. Okay. Yeah. Which is fun. Yeah. I mean, th- and there's a, that's another fun topic for maybe another time is talking about what multiplayer games play well as two player games also play well as solo games. So there's a, there's a lot to explore in, in that Avenue because I also uh, try to find games that Alicia and I can just play and it still plays well with just two players. So, yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that that's, that's something that I hadn't thought about, but now that Morgan and I are playing a lot more when I'm buying a game that has to be part of it. Like it has to be Mm -hmm. a game that we can play just on a Tuesday Mm -hmm. night when we're bored and don't want to find something on Netflix. Yeah, it'll never be as finely tuned as a strictly two-player game, but you can still get a pretty good game out of it. Like, for the most part, they usually are balanced towards higher player counts, but there's many that work really well still with just two players. Yeah. The fun thing about playing a four-player game as a two-player game, sometimes you can, like, look it up online to see if there are, like... Mm -hmm advice on how to make it the best two-player game which is kind of fun like we did that with jaws of the lion like Mm -hmm. what combo of characters should we play Mm -hmm. like what should we expect for this for two-player it's kind of fun Mm -hmm. i would also say i mean this is kind of a very minor segue into a smaller topic which is make sure when you're looking at games it, it i think it is worthwhile to look at what the optimal player count is because yep the feel of a game can change dramatically with player count. TI is an excellent example of that, or Twilight Imperium. Um, mm-hmm. Just because six players, the there's a reason why six players is like the optimal player count and why everyone talks about it that way. It's because of the way that the strategy cards are, and I'm not really going to go into a lot of depth about it, but yep. there th- there's a reason why six players is the is the best player count. And then for other games, like the game that uh, Ken and I played this weekend, where we played with three players rather than four players, I could definitely tell if there was four people playing the game instead of three people, you have the same map. So you're just going to be fighting over more space, and it's going to make the game feel more contested and probably more interesting. Like, it was still fun to play with three players, but that game is going to fundamentally play different with more people. Yeah. I mean, it's and the opposite of that, actually, Return to Dark Tower, if you play it with two players, it's actually pretty hard. But the game mm-hmm. that we played with four players was so much easier. Like, it was mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. how different it felt. So mm-hmm. I definitely concur that that is a, a thing to consider. Mm-hmm. How many people will you normally be playing with versus how many people is optimal? Right, because Spirit Island can have up to six people play it. I don't know who the hell wants to do that. I, and I'm, I'm saying that is like my favorite game. There's no way I'd play that with six players ever. Hmm. I think like three, three players is like the, the sweet spot of, didn't we do five last time? Oh, uh, I think we did. F- yeah. Maybe we did five. Yeah, we did. We did five. Yeah. I mean, it was it, long. yeah, it, it just, it really, it does, 
if you have people who know to play, you can get the game to move along a little bit, but not with new players. Absolutely yeah. not. Right. Like, it's it's brutal. But, uh, yeah, so just pay attention to player count because especially if you found a, a game and you're just like, man, I just feel like I, there's something about it that I just, it wasn't rubbing me the right way. And, you know, take a look and see what people say player count wise. It might be that it's just, you know, needs a different player count to, and it could completely change the feel of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So game wise for us still playing through Jaws of the Lion. Morgan and I have started talking about what are we going to do after this? Do you go from Jaws of the Lion to Gloomhaven or do you jump to Frosthaven? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's two schools of thought on it for sure. Uh, some people say like, if you already own Gloomhaven, just play Gloomhaven, which you do, right? You have no. the, well, no, they, oh. they, they, they oh, have, uh, only the have Jaws, Jaws of the Lion. Lion. Yeah. No, ah. Jaws, Jaws of the Lion is, is definitely a more discreet intro kind of a thing. So, from that, like, should they should they get Gloomhaven and play through that the eighty hours of that, or should they go to Frosthaven and its hundred and twenty hours of play? So yeah, it's, it's there's a really apparently Frosthaven is better in yes. almost every aspect than Gloomhaven. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Frosthaven first and then go back to Gloomhaven, it's going to make right. Gloomhaven feel worse. Mm-hmm. Whereas yep. if you play it sequentially, like Jaws of the Lion to Gloomhaven to Frosthaven, it's just going to feel like it gets better and better. All right, so Sarah, right. to make your decision, my recommendation is check out Shut Up and Sit Down's review of Frosthaven. Um, they they have like an hour-long review, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they kind of break down. It, it, it does mostly boil down to basically what you said, which is Frosthaven is just better in every way. Right. But in some ways, the extra polish in it kind of takes away what made Gloomhaven Gloomhaven. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. yeah, like it's like the rough around the edges part sometimes is what gave like some crazy, wacky, zany moments. And you, so you kind of take away the high highs, but they removed a lot of the low lows, if that makes sense. Yep. Mm, yeah. See, I, I mean, this isn't really a, a, a thing in my mind. I think we should just go to Gloomhaven because Frosthaven also gets more complex and I yep. don't want to jump straight from like the easiest one to the hardest one without mm-hmm. that middle step. But to be honest, you could also probably pick up Bloomhaven much cheaper. Yeah, I mean that box. The box is so big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, at the I don't think you can we go were... wrong with either of them for sure. Um, right. But yeah, t- check out what Shut Up and Sit Down said because I think they also address like, hey, if you only have Jaws of the Line and now you're trying to choose, like, what would you get? I think they yeah. kind of touch upon that topic a little bit, and yep. maybe uh, maybe you'll find your answer there. Yeah. So what else do we have going on? I know in March we've got Playthrough, the uh, gaming convention here in Raleigh. Yep. That's going to be fun. I've never gone to that before, but I, I'm definitely uh, excited to be going with, uh, with with Tim and Sarah. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll have shirts or something. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. But... I'm going to try to at least go one day. I actually am out of the country the weekend before that, so I'm going to see... How uh, how exhausted I am coming back, but uh, yeah, I might my try name's to see. Tim, and I'm an international traveler. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sophisticated man with sophisticated tastes. <laughs> what country are you going to? I am going to uh, Slovakia. Oh, 
Oh, cool. Yeah, c- careful, Tim. You're going to you know, let all your stalkers know where to find you. That's right. If they, <laughs> you know what? If they can find me in Slovakia in that narrow window of time, they deserve to find me. Okay? No. Yeah, don't stalk Tim. Don't yeah. stalk Tim. I was just curious. I mean, right. I, would be, I would be amazed. So. Terrified, but, but amazed all the same. So, I was yeah, just like, we're... I guess I die now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say that we're going to be like, a feature at playthrough. I haven't even told the people at our local board game store that I have this podcast. So really? <laughs> we'll just be people. We'll just be people hanging out at playthrough. Sarah, they basically know you. You could probably just post a little advertisement for us I, in there. Every time I go in now, I I almost tell them. I think about it. It's like it's like when you're in elementary school and the teacher is like asking you. So. But the way you do it, Sarah, don't you don't you don't you don't say, "Oh, I have a I, I have a podcast." You, you go, you, you say, "Oh yes, on my podcast, I was talking about this game last last week." You don't 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 say your just just drop a, a mention to I'm it. Sure, Refer to your I'm podcast. I'm sure as a woman, experience. you're already good at this as well, right? Because you just be like, you know, this guy's hitting on you, and you're just like, "Oh yeah, my boyfriend." Bam! Drop the hammer. <laughs> just the hammer in this instance is that I have a board game podcast. Yeah, Damn. that's right. Yeah. So it's a gentle hammer. It's a, it's a no. It's I a, feel it's like a little it's, cake. I feel like it's too thirsty to it's be like, "Hey, thirsty. board game store employee person that I've developed a rapport with." Here's this I podcast. Mean, it'd be, no, it'd be it, one no, thing if absolutely. like it's kind of like out of nowhere. But if they had like a little like message board or something that you could like put like a flyer on, then it like is a fairly natural. Hey, could I put? That we have a podcast on here? Like, it'd be one thing if you just bring it up out of the blue and like, hey, what can you do for me to advertise this? You know, no. like. First, 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 you, 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 you drop the hint that you have one where you talk about something uh, board game relating, related. You go, oh, yeah, you know, this would be really good content for my podcast. And you mentioned that a few times. And then, you know, at some <laughs> point you say, uh, you know, hey, uh, would you mind if I advertise my podcast on your, on your uh, bulletin board? It in, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Kid, you live like three miles from this board game store. <laughs> you do that. You do it. And well, I, I I never go over there, but yeah. Then eventually they they, they we, we we pull something there and they listen to the podcast and, and then they they hear this and they're like, oh, so the only reason you guys were ever talking to us is because you're trying to look for free advertising for your podcast, you know? Oh yeah. man! And then Sarah will be like outlawed. They'll be like, I'll be they'll so put a not welcome sign on there. <laughs> not welcome. The board game triangle, and I it just has it just has Sarah's this. face just. <laughs> you're giving me anxiety about this. I just want to say, if, if anybody here from from uh, Game Theory, uh, you know, is, is listening, like we we do actually legitimately love you guys and are totally not just trying to boost a relationship with you to help advertise our podcast that friends, family, and random Australians sometimes listen to. Yeah. So the other the other day, I was in Atomic Empire, and uh... okay, okay, Tim, keep that out. <laughs> Cutting that out. Um, all right all right all right we're 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 over an hour and a half so let's let's go ahead and cut it for the night we'll see you guys next time maybe we'll see you at playthrough if you're in raleigh maybe (laughs) we'll see y'all in a couple weeks bye my favorite listeners bye-bye oh Oh, yeah (laughs) goodbye yo (laughs) 